the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report, where we bring you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. I feel like I say this every week, but the topic we're going to deal with today uh, really reflects an ever-changing culture. Again, thank you for listening. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker, here with Chad Robichaux. And uh, the, the topic we're going to discuss today is something I think we were all a little bit familiar with before President Donald Trump. But on the other side of a Trump administration and a Trump presidency, we're really confronted with the reality that what has been establishment uh, politics and establishment politicians, really they've been rejected by so many people. We're looking at a movement in our country that has the loose title of the populist movement. And this has been fascinating to watch, Chad. I, I, I don't know exactly what it all means, <laughs> but I think it means a lot of people are fed up with those who have been leading us for a long time. Well, luckily, there's smarter people than us that can help us figure out what it means. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll take my shot at, at uh, my opinion on this is that I think Americans in general are fed up with politicians and politics and uh, people who make campaign promises that weren't uh, in line, especially as they, you know, these promises either fail or end up uh, different to what the American people want. And they just, you know, they're just not in line with who the American people are. And this yeah. is what, you know, appeal to people like or dislike Donald Trump. This would appeal to people with President Trump is that I can relate to that guy. He's speaking my language. He wants what I want for our country. And, uh, and you know, I think he was him not being a politician is what you know, why people pitched in the wagon to him. And, uh, and I think, you know, moving forward uh, right now in the state that we're at right now, our country, people are seeing politicians again, once again, uh, people leaned on political campaign promises. People leaned on right. uh, change and the promise of change and the promise of utopia and all these things that people are, are sold during the campaign cycle. And they're seeing once again, politicians, Failing their promises, not fall through, and, and politicians do what politicians do, yep. and uh, and and I think you know what we see in 2016. You're gonna you're gonna see happen again because you know the Americans Americans are tired of it. They're tired of political campaign speeches, and they're tired of uh, they they want what they want, and they're gonna uh, look for candidates who are gonna represent the people. Right. Yeah. You and I have talked about this a lot, but local politicians. Um, and the idea of local politics is becoming, again, important. It's been important for a long time. Uh, I heard someone say not too long ago that for the first, like, 120 years of, you know, the United States from the time of uh, the founding of the United States, about 120 years, most local people didn't even know who their Congress member was <laughs> or uh, who was running the country. It just didn't matter because they were so focused. by the president. Right. They were so focused on what was happening in their community and, you know, the people that were there. Um, oh yeah, because I yeah. think I think most most people just want to be left alone by the government. But as there's more government overreach, as establishment politicians say, uh, "This is what you will and will not do, where you will and will not go," and all of the things we're dealing with, um, people have just gotten tired of it, as you mentioned. 
Well, I, I think also like, you know, you mentioned that people didn't know, I think people didn't know mainly cause it just didn't, they didn't feel it impacted them. Like it does exactly. now. Yeah, exactly. They right, right. Care. That's what right. you're getting at. I misunderstood you at first, but yeah, it wasn't impacting them and now it impacts us. But, but then the shift has went to everybody worries about is worrying about who the president is. Yeah. And that has so much less impact. Uh, I mean, of course the, who's in the white house matters to us and the decisions they make matter to us. But on a daily personal level, I mean, you and I, I live in Texas and uh, we're not going to compare apples to apples and apples to oranges here, but I live in Texas and you live in California. The local politics where I live are a lot different than where you live. And my, you know, my life, uh, the way I'm able to live my life and pay taxes and my freedom to do certain things is a lot different than yours. And, uh, you know, again, you know, kind of having poking at you here with te- Texas and California, but right. the truth is it is, you know, the local politician, people would, if people would vote locally differently, uh, different where you live, then, you know, that would change. Well, I, I think even, I mean, and you, you lived here as well for a while, but you talk about local politics. I, I deny that. But yeah. Good. Well, local politics in where we live is very conservative. I mean, we live in the state of California. Yeah. It's, it's extremely liberal. We couldn't argue that. Um, you guys got where one of the best, live, best we, sheriffs in the country. Yeah, we have, we have one of the best sheriffs in the country. Um, he has protected Second Amendment rights and all of the other things that we enjoy as Americans. The community that we live in is very conservative. So local politics is, is very important, even in a state like California. Yeah. But now, from the federal government down, all of us are having this pressure put on us, and so we have to push back. And I think in a big way, that's what the populist movement is about. Um, thankfully, as you mentioned, we have someone who is an expert <laughs> that could help uh, help us understand some of this. Ryan Gerdusky is with us, and Ryan has written on this and speaks on this, and thankful that he would take some time to join us. Ryan is a New York native coming to us from New York City right now, which is awesome. Uh, Since 2007, Ryan has worked in politics and various political campaigns. He's been featured in nearly a dozen publications, been a guest on many television shows, and most recently authored a book entitled, They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. And uh, Ryan, man, so thankful that you could take a few minutes with us and really try to help us understand some of these things. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, for those that are not familiar with your work, can you give us a run-up, kind of where you came from, and how you became interested in this topic specifically? Well, I was um, I, I worked for New York City Council when I was 19 years old. It was my first political job. Um, happened totally by accident. And then I worked um, in, in state legislature, and it's New York State legislature, and then on campaigns. Ever since there, I worked on campaigns for um, the Super PAC supporting Thomas Massey, Super PAC supporting Chris Kobach. I've worked on, um, I, I worked on dozens of state legislative campaigns and Bob Turner for Congress, who was a brief congressman from New York. Um, and along the lines of working in campaigns, I was reading a lot of, of articles on, on what was happening in politics. And I was like, these people don't understand anything. So I left the campaign world to start joining uh, Red Alert Politics, which was a conservative millennial website, which was part of the Washington Examiner back in 2015. Um, and I told everyone I worked with um, almost immediately that I, that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee. Like the day he came on the escalator, I said he is the nominee. 
Um, people thought I was crazy, but I knew I was onto something. Um, and I worked on, I worked there for about three and a half years and, or three years. And I, um, I, I wrote the book quickly afterwards because I knew things about, you know, the sentiment of where the right was and where the American middle was. Um, I think much better than most people in DC part of, you know, conservative Inc does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Ryan, uh, the populist movement, which you talk a lot about, you know, it reached a critical mass in 2016 with, you know, two, two, two major candidates who both really rejected the establishment message. One was, but one was able to push through the establishment media attacks to eventually become president. So can, can you give us an overview of the circumstances that really developed or, uh, to create the populist movement? And what were the central catalysts to, that really ushered a political outsider like Donald Trump to make it all the way to the White House? You know, what I wrote in the book is the reason I said they're not listening, how the elites created the national popular, populist revolution is because those who hated Trump the most, the George Bushes, the Hillary Clintons, the Barack Obamas, they're the ones who created the situation for Trump to arise to power. Um, if it wasn't for never for NAFTA, the normalizing of uh, trade with China, um, uh, for an amnesty in 1986 with Reagan and then multiple amnesties and, and changes to our immigration system under Bush in 1991, H.W. Um, uh, Bush, that is. Um, and then uh, the promotion of amnesties throughout the 2000s under um, both Barack Obama and George W. Bush, if it wasn't for the opioid crisis being ignored under Bush, if it wasn't for the constant wars under, um, under Clinton, Bush, and, and Obama, um, there would have never been a Trump, um, but mm. because the people didn't want any of those positions to be taken by our government, but they were, and they were despite the will of of Americans time and time and time and time again. Um, so I think that the major point that I emphasize so much is immigration. Um, it's a third of my book um, because it is the most important issue. Um, diversity is great, but um, unity is better. And when you have mass immigration in such a short period of time, you lower civic institutions, you lower um, social trust, you lower social capital. It's been proven time and time and time again, every country's ever been studied in. And it created a complete backlash against uh, many Americans who you know, never wanted a gi- gigantic demographic transformation of our country, wanted um, immigration to be at its highest level since the year 1900, wanted 20 to 30 million people living in the shadows. Most Americans didn't want any of those things. And the answer always seemed to be uh, basically either we accept amnesty and we double the, the legal population, the legal immigration level, or we accept amnesty and we triple it. And Trump was the only one offering anything, anything different. And that's essentially the immigration was the reason he became the Republican nominee. Wow. And when it comes to immigration, here we are again. Again. In a very same place. And you know what? It's a lot of the same people saying the same things over and over again. We have a massive, I mean, we have a border crisis specifically created because of the George H.W. Bush administration and the George W. Bush administration for how they changed our amnesty and refugee, not amnesty, uh, refugee and asylum laws. which they thought were being more compassionate at the time, which turned out to be a complete disaster. Um, and it's been a disaster for 20 some odd years. But the response by what what do we want? I mean, the Republican Party is the minority party in the Senate 
and the House, and they have no, and they're not in the presidency. So this is the time for them to create a narrative for what they actually believe in. I have just not heard a, a, a full narrative um, from the GOP, aside from that the border is a bad situation, it's a mm-hmm. crisis, which it is a crisis. Um, and Biden is lying by saying it's not a crisis. But I don't know what is the GOP stance on it because you have Rick Scott and you have um, uh, Representative Salazar talking about legalization amnesty all over again, mm. talking about increasing legal immigration. You know, everyone likes to put the MAGA and America First bumper sticker on their campaign bus tours, but they don't believe in any of it a lot. So, or they don't even understand it. I wouldn't say believe in it. They don't even understand it. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. Media control or the control of the narrative seems to be kind of the central focus of this war on populism. And man, we've, we've seen that so clearly in the last year or so. When we talk about the populist movement and growing populist movement and even look down the road a little bit to coming elections, can the populist movement continue to grow and continue to develop with the way the media is suppressing things like what's happening on the border and like some of these other policies that the Biden administration is pushing forward? Well, the media at least is asking questions about the border for the first time in a while, which is good. Um, but, you know, what? where populists have been successful, they've been successful in spite of the media in mm. Italy under under us, under um, Salini, um, in Trump had Twitter. They had alternative platforms. I think that I think the one thing we have to understand is that private corporations are really the enemy to get expressing ourselves. It's not the government. And I mean, we have all these documents and, you know, and all these court decisions protecting us from, from governments trampling on speech when we really have to worry about private corporations trampling right. on speech and woke capitalism trampling on speech. Um, the other thing that we, I think that they need to uh, analyze um, when it comes to um, what the media has done is we don't have necessarily a liberal media. We have an establishment media. The media has a belief system on major issues. The media, for example, is always pro-war. The one day that the only day that Trump got 58 of 59 national publications to write glowing praises of him in their in their uh, editorials was the day he bombed Syria. Um, they worshipped Obama for getting involved in Libya. They praised George W. Bush for getting involved in Iraq, which people don't remember now, but back in 2002, 2003. 
MSNBC, New York Times, NPR, you name the publication, they were for the war in Iraq, even left-wing ones. We have a very pro-war consensus. And now what we have is also a very pro-critical race theory consensus coming out mm. of the media. Yeah. yeah, that has to be broken. I mean, it has to be challenged. Um, it's not going to be challenged by people who are afraid to even talk about the topics. Yeah. Do you yeah. think there is a, a path forward for that? We talk about alternative media. Um, this is this is where my hope lies personally, <laughs> and some people disagree with me on this, but but my hope is not Facebook and Instagram and YouTube opening up or seeing the light. It's it's individuals creating their own platforms and normal yeah, people learning that way. That. No, that's never going to happen. Um, because you cannot create your own platforms in this kind of environment because you can't create your own banking. You can't create your own uh, Apple store. You can't create the platforms necessarily that do the hosting. All of those things cannot be created by an individual. Um, it is a monopoly right now. And what we need is we need Republicans for the first time in forever to not worry about political power and actually start breaking up these corporations and using political power to break up corporations and to create um, protections on political speech um, by, by corporations. I mean, unless we use political power against entities, we are not going to get anywhere. It's not going to be like Fox News being created after CNN was created because there was more competition. That just, that wouldn't, that's not going to, that's not the answer. So it's a, it's a reformation that comes through politicians. It has to come through political power. Political power has to be used to, to, to stop world capital. Forget about, we'll talk about it, something else for a second. It's going to be, uh, the biggest threat to the Second Amendment is not the Biden administration or any executive order he's going to come. It's going to be Walmart and Dick's Sporting Goods and Chase yeah. Bank telling yeah, yeah. you you can't buy a gun anymore. Agreed. There is no answer to woke capitalism that comes with competition or the market. Um, it comes through the power of the government uh, making sure the market can can run because these co- corporations are literally stronger than um, you know most government entities at this point. Right. Wow. Well, are they going to do it? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you have to see the evolution of these candidates, and and if you're going to support a candidate with either through a vote or through a financial donation, these are the questions worth asking them. You can't just right. ask them, "Do you support President Trump?" That's not a real question to ask them. It's not a question to ask them, "Do you support you know fixing a, building a border wall?" there's a general consensus about 99% of Republicans believe that you didn't ask them. Do you believe in reducing legal, legal immigration? Do you believe in creating merit-based immigration? Do you believe in using the government to take on big tech? How do you support taking on big tech? If they have an answer aside from just, you know, saying repealing section 230 is great, but it's not enough. Um, and I don't think I, uh, I, there's an old saying from Abraham Lincoln. I'm trying, I'm going to end up botching it. <laughs> but old, like old beliefs uh, of yesterday, will not answer the you know the calls of tomorrow. If the answer for the Republicans is still a dying version of Reaganism, hmm. then we're going to lose. Um, we can't be afraid of government power. We can't be afraid. Uh, we can't worship the free market. We can't do the things that we have been trained to do for forty years from a Cold War consensus. Those will never provide us with the answers necessary to actually fix the problems of today and coming to tomorrow. Interesting. Yeah. When it comes to populism, what's what is at the heart of the war on populism? Is it is it just based on a preference for a global trade model and those who profit from the system that they created, or does it go deeper than that? 
Well, there's two kinds of populism. There's left-wing populism and there's national populism. National populism is a right-wing phenomenon. Left-wing populism is a is is a social is like more of a socialist phenomenon. Um, what at the heart of populism, the textbook definition is an economic struggle, struggle between the between the um, the bourgeoisie and the workers. Um, it comes in different forms, though. People like Bernie Sanders subscribe to say we have to use the state to give you a piece of the pie. National populists, while they vary country to country, in general, sit there and say we have to make sure that you can have, you know, get your piece of the pie. You can earn it. You can work for it. Um, that opportunity is not closed off to you because of a lack of a degree or because of um, situational circumstances or because the government works against people in rural America or in ex-urban America or in the Rust Belt by creating bad trade agreements, by creating um, situations that leave towns and cities and communities dying. Um, so at the heart of it is an economic uh, economic struggle, struggle. The nationalism part is totally different, um, but that's the heart of the populist part of it. Well. When you look down the road a little bit, um, you know, you said earlier, a lot of these same conversations we're having again about the border and various, you know, issues. When you look to the midterms, you look to the 2024 elections, um, how do you see that going in, in terms of will the populist movement <laughs> carry us forward? Will it not? Will it fall apart? Uh, where do we go from here? Well, I think that I think that Republicans will almost certainly win the House back in 2022. I think that it's just a question by how many. Um this is why we have such aggressive upcoming primaries across the country that we need to be very careful to look at um, in in all these states. I mean, you have you, you have the race in Ohio, which is I mean, we have seven retiring Republican senators. You have in Alabama, you have Mo Brooks, who is fantastic, who is the best of what is being offered. But like in Ohio, you have you know these. I think it's right now just two, but it's going to be as many as six or seven Republicans running for the U.S. Senate in Ohio, um, and everyone will have a MAGA bumper sticker on, and uh, probably five of the seven or six of the seven will be just establishment hacks trying to sell you that they are ref- – like J- like um, Josh Mandel, who is a neocon, always has been a neocon, mm-hmm. is an evangelical rightist who sits there and says he loves Trump. And he's, like, he's just like Trump. Um, he's he is he is absolutely pretending to be something that he's not. And Jane Timken, who's an establishment a Republican, ran the Republican Party. Her family has contracts with the Chinese Communist Party. Hmm. Um, they make windmills in China. I mean, it's public information. Timken Steele does. Um, are they going to really challenge the establishment the, uh, the the status quo on anything? No. Um, but they're going to say MAGA a lot, and they're going to hope to to fool boomers to vote for them in the primary. So I think that that is something that, that needs to be uh, thought of very, very carefully. And people need to realize, what are the issues? Does that matter? It's not going to be about, do you support you know, Trump or was impeachment a wrong or uh, you know, a border wall? It's going to be really, really, really important questions over um, the future of immigration, the future of world capital. Um, and I think that depends on who comes out in the primaries and who what, what kind of statements they make and then if they win. 2018 and 2020 were not great years for the populist movement. So hopefully 2022 is. Because I don't think these issues are going away. Are you encouraged by what you see? or Some of them. I, I, I've been reached up to by many candidates across the board who are looking to run in 2022. 2022, yeah. And um, their interests are... They're, 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 concerned about is what I'm concerned about. Um, You have Jim Banks, Republican Study Committee. I speak to him fairly regularly. 
he's interested in issues of labor relations and uh, how we communicate with the working class. It's very important and very dynamic. Um, and you have you have people of also you know what I say. We say the Trump the Trumpism Trump is like a puzzle. And a lot of people after Trump have been picking up pieces of it. So, like, you have Marco Rubio, who's very good on family policy. Um, Romney is very good on family policy. You have um, – you have Romney is also actually very good on E-Verify policy, too, um, of all the people. But uh, you have you have Cotton, who's great on immigration, and Jim Banks, who's wonderful on China. They're all picking up pieces of the puzzle, but no right. one's actually taken the entire puzzle so far. Mm, yet. Yeah. So, I'm waiting. hopefully someone has more of the puzzle, but I, I don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, man, we could talk about this for a long time, Ryan. Where can people that are interested in what you're talking about find out more about you, follow you, and get your book? Um, you can go to ryangardeski.com. The book is available everywhere, Barnes Nobles, Amazon, Target, wherever. Uh, books are sold, I believe, Walmart. Um, and you can go to ryangardeski.com. I have a newsletter uh, on my Substack. You can subscribe to I do it nine times a month where I do deep dives on politics and national populism from around the globe. Um, so yeah, you can reach out there and, and see it and find, find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time and just DMing at Ryan Gerdusky. That's awesome. The book is They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. Ryan, thank you so much, man. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Wonderful conversation with Ryan. Populism and the populist movement, probably not something you spend a lot of time thinking about but something you need to spend some time thinking about. Because what's happening in what we're calling the populist movement really is a reflection of so many other issues that we discuss uh, on this show and elsewhere, of course. A lot of great things were brought out. I would encourage you to get Ryan's book. Um, Man, this is something, again, we all need to take a deep dive into, follow him, get information from him. But I want to sum up for you just a little bit. So today, our situation report is this. Number one, uh, populism. We, we don't always understand how to define that. Populism really is this, as I understand it from Ryan and uh, by reading and, again, trying to get my mind around this. Populism is when the population collectively, <laughs> without a lot of coordination, but collectively says, look, we don't care about left and right anymore. It's not about politics and the sense of uh, red and blue an elephant or a donkey, we want to get behind the politicians, the leaders in this country that will represent us for real, not just in terms of platitudes or campaign promises, but that will actually represent us, the population. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the populist movement. That's the first thing. Another great point was made, and uh, again, maybe Ryan and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on this. I think he has more information than I do. And uh, So I'd love to take even a a deeper dive into this conversation about media. Uh, But the reality is this, and, and Ryan made this great point, the populist movement has always existed Apart from media, uh, apart from media, and we look at media censorship and all of these things, uh, again, Ryan talked about the solution to that and how politicians need to work to break up the monopoly of big corporations uh, in the media sense. And uh, that's absolutely right. But when we look at the populist movement, we have to understand uh, that that movement is not controlled by the media, although certainly there will be an impact. The third thing is this, and I think this is a point we come back to again and again and again. It's the personal responsibility point. But the point of personal responsibility in this is get beyond what politicians simply promise 
while they're campaigning. <laughs> uh, Ryan kept saying they put the, the MAGA stickers on their cars or wear the hats. Get beyond that. Figure out, a lot of this is public information. Figure out what they've actually done, what they actually stand for, who they're actually supporting, and make your decisions about who you're going to vote for based on who they really are, not just what they say uh, during a stump speech. I think that would be fantastic. Great, great conversation. We need to do this again. I'm going to read the book. Hopefully, we'll have Ryan back on and uh, get a little bit uh, deeper into some of this. But appreciate you listening. I hope this was a help to you. We have to be aware of what's taking place in our country. And uh, this is a big movement, and it includes all of us. And uh, hopefully, again, you gain some great information there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.